0: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 10 of the Arty Anglais podcast, the podcast where we talk about art, culture and society to help you learn English naturally. Hello everyone and welcome back to episode 10. I'm your host Tara, an Aussie from no other than Australia, Down Under. Now that I live in France, that reference to Australia being Down Under finally makes sense to me. It really is Down Under and it's quite far from France, I find. Now before I get started today, can you do me a really big favour? If you're listening to this podcast on iTunes, Can you please give the podcast a review, preferably a good one, because it helps for others who are learning English to find the podcast. I would be super, super grateful uh, and that would really help me. So thank you. So wherever you're listening from, I hope you're well. I hope you've had some holidays or you've been enjoying yourself. If you're in the Southern Hemisphere, you'll be happy to know that winter is finally over. My family in Australia were very excited the last time we spoke because it had just been 21 degrees in Melbourne. And sadly for me, well, that means that summer will be over soon too. But, well, it's okay because I've just returned from my vacation. Hang on, uh, that sounded weird. I never call it that. In fact, in Australia, we call vacation holidays. So I'll say that again. I've just returned from holidays in Portugal. In English, you can say holidays or vacation when you're talking about the time that you have had off from work. We'll understand if you say vacation or holidays. So I had the most fabulous holiday. It started as quite a long drive from Montpellier and a stopover in San Sebastian, which is a small resort town on the Bay of Biscay in Spain's very mountainous Basque country. It is known as the Playa de la Concha because the beach in San Sebastian is shaped a bit like a, a fan shell. So there were a lot of tourists on the beach and in the small cobblestone streets of the city. So at night I walked around the city and I ate a lot of little tapas, which they call pinchos. And they are these really yummy bite-sized regional specialties. Uh, It's usually a piece of bread with things on the top of it like fish, shellfish, meat and vegetables. And every little tapa bar looks like a food-themed art gallery because beautifully displayed on the counters are the many different varieties of pinchos. Now these bars are fun, especially if you want to eat something little while trying some of the regional wines and the wines from the area. And you can go from one tapas bar to the other and trying all the different uh, types and varieties of pinchos. So after San Sebastian, I headed towards Portugal and I spent two wonderful days exploring the streets of one of my favorite cities in the world, Lisbon. Lucky for me, there was also a Banksy exhibition called uh, Banksy, Genius or Vandal. Now, the Banksy exhibition was something that really spoke to me. I'm rather fond of the artists like Banksy who can cause controversy. And if you listen to the previous episode, you'd remember I spoke a lot with Eli, the author of There Is No F in Art, about Banksy and his artworks. So I couldn't help but feel inspired. Of course, I also saw heaps of new street art in Lisbon too. So after the exhibition and after eating a few of my favourite Portuguese cakes, the pastel de nata, I visited a newly installed artwork by Bordalo II. So he's an artist I've spoken a lot about in previous episodes. So this new piece was a gigantic link sculpture in the Park of Nations in Lisbon, And you'll see a picture of me in the show notes and, of course, on the Arte Anglais Instagram account. So this lynx is made of recycled plastic uh, and there's a lot of recycled plastic rubbish bins that it's made out of. So it's very interesting and I like the way that Bordalo, as I've said before, I like the way that Bordalo makes us think about these materials that we always throw away so after two days in lisbon i spent an absolutely glorious week on the beach in lagos it's a town in southern portugal's algarve region and it's known for its walled old city the cliffs and atlantic beaches and the beach that i went to was called the Meia praia and every day it was really lively with lots of people sitting under their umbrellas in the morning and normally they would go home in the afternoon because it would get too hot in the afternoon to sit in the sun. Although the weather was fantastic, it was about 28 degrees every day, the water was unbelievably cold, almost glacial, not at all like the beaches of Australia. But funnily enough, some parts of Lagos reminded me a lot of the scenery of Australia's Great Ocean Road. At many points during my drive from Lisbon to the Elgarve, I kept seeing big expanses of eucalyptus trees on the side of the road, and at the time I would think to myself, which country am I in again? I think it was then that I started to miss Australia, so on my way back to France, after my holiday, I began to read the famous Bill Bryson book, Down Under. And I don't know how I missed this book in the last 20 years, but I should have read it a long time ago. It's a book all about Australia and travelling around Australia. And the author, Bill Bryson, has a way of writing that is witty or funny. And his book paints a very accurate picture of life and culture in Australia. And it just so happened that I wanted to talk about Australia in this episode. So lucky for you, I'll share some of my favorite passages from the book when I tell you all about my favorite places to visit. So that is what today's episode is all about. Some of my favorite places to visit in Australia. And actually, what I've decided to do is split the podcast into three episodes. Halfway through planning and writing it, I realized... I couldn't possibly cover all my favourite places and do Australia justice in just one podcast episode. So it will have to be in three. So I've broken it down into three episodes as follows. So episode 10, this one, will be about Queensland, New South Wales and we'll finish the episode in the capital of Australia in Canberra. Episode 11 will be about my home, Victoria and the capital, Melbourne, and Tasmania, which is the little island at the bottom of Australia. And then episode 12, we'll talk about South Australia, Western Australia, and the Northern Territory. I must say, this was a difficult job to pick my favourite places. In Australia, you'll find many great things. Friendly people, fantastic coffee, the best food, cute, scary, and potentially deadly animals – spectacular scenery and lots of creative and cool things to do as you may know australia is huge now i mean huge it's the world's largest island to drive around australia would be epic although it has been done before by many it's 14 times the size of france and the whole of europe fits inside australia with some room left over I couldn't possibly share all the best places, but I have at least included one location from each state. As Melbourne is where I'm from, I'll spend a little more time talking about it than the other places in Australia. All the places that I'm sharing with you in the next three episodes are interesting for both their geographical significance and their cultural and creative interest. I'll start my journey in the north of Australia in a place called the Great Barrier Reef, which is one of the seven natural wonders of the world. It's also the home of my best friend Sean, so I have a very fond memories of my time spent in Cairns. So let's find out more about this exotic island in the middle of nowhere, some 30-hour flight from Europe. It's well worth the visit, I promise. Also, If you're interested in learning more about Australian English and Australian culture, I highly recommend you look for the podcast, Aussie English. He focuses a lot on Australian culture, expressions and idioms. And he's also very funny and a great storyteller. So go and check it out. Before I start, a few facts about Australia to help set the scene. Officially, we are known as the Commonwealth of Australia, which means Queen Elizabeth of Great Britain is officially our head of state. It is very, very, very important to know that Indigenous Australians, the Aboriginals, inhabited the continent of Australia for about 65,000 years before Europeans discovered it, and it was settled in 1788 by Britain. So Britain sent over its convicts to Australia after Captain Cook discovered it. Now, this is a controversial story, notably because shocking mistreatment of Indigenous Australians followed for many years after Australia was settled. And it wasn't until 2006 that the Prime Minister at the time, Kevin Rudd, apologised to the Indigenous Australians for past mistreatment in his apology speech. You can find his apology speech online also. It's very interesting to read and to get a better understanding of what happened at the time. So Aboriginal Australian culture is one of the oldest continuous civilizations on earth. So I think it's important to mention, especially when people I often meet in my travels in Europe tell me how young Australia is. I usually correct them to say that European-Australian culture is young, yes, but Indigenous culture has been around a lot longer than even European culture. So now, more than 200 years after European settlement in Australia, Australia has six states, Queensland, New South Wales, Victoria, Tasmania, which is that little island off the mainland, South Australia and Western Australia. It also has two territories, Northern Territory and Canberra. You may be surprised to know that Canberra is our capital city. It's not really like any other capital cities in the world. In fact, I've never even been there, which is crazy, right? But also not really. And I'll explain more about why I've never been there a little bit later on. So I've put a picture also in the show notes of the map of Australia so you can see all the different states and territories now this was made by Miss Mulholland's masterclass she's a teacher on Instagram and I really like this representation of Australia I think it's very simple and easy to follow so lastly a bit more context it's important to know that in australia we love to abbreviate many of our words for example the word afternoon is avo. a u-turn which is when you turn your car around is a UE and an ambulance is also known as an ambo so it can be a little confusing to learn english in australia i've put a, a video It's a very well-known video in the transcript notes, which was made by two boys who teach you how to speak Australian by abbreviating everything. It's very funny to watch, so I advise you to go and watch it. So without waiting any longer, let's start my list of things in the sunny state of Queensland. So... My number one place to visit in Queensland is of course on top of everyone's bucket list, the Great Barrier Reef. The bucket list is the list of things you want to do before you die. So the Great Barrier Reef was once on my bucket list and I was lucky enough to tick it off a few years ago after I visited. So if you visit the Great Barrier Reef, there are several places you can stay. It is a UNESCO World Heritage Site And when you view it from a greater distance, such as in a helicopter, you can understand why. Have a look at the picture I put in the show notes of this aerial image. It's really beautiful, and that's just one part of the Great Barrier Reef. It is larger than the Great Wall of China and the only living thing on Earth which is visible from space. So... The Great Barrier Reef is the largest reef on the planet with some 900 islands, 1600 species of fish, 400 species of coral and thousands of other marine animals like sharks, turtles and whales. It's hard to wrap your head around how amazing this place is. It's a colourful work of art in itself. So when you visit the Great Barrier Reef, you have two options. One You can stay inland in one of the major towns, such as Cairns, Port Douglas, Townsville, or Mackay. Or any of the beaches in between, such as Palm Cove, Airlie Beach, or Mission Beach. Or, two, you can stay on an island. So, there are a few major islands on the Great Barrier Reef. The Whitsunday Islands, Green Island, Fitzroy Island, Lizard Island, or Thursday Island. So I advise you to do lots of research and I'll put some links in the notes for some useful up-to-date blog posts that might help you decide. I'm also going to talk in a little bit about some of the islands that you can visit. So keep in mind something about the Great Barrier Reef. It's absolutely enormous. For example, it would take you more than eight hours to drive from Mackay to Cairns and that isn't even the entire length of the Great Barrier Reef. The reef is highly vulnerable. So in the past 30 years, it has lost half its coral. Pollution has caused deadly starfish outbreaks and global warming is contributing to coral bleaching. So the magnificent colour that you see in all the pictures and brochures of the coral is now becoming white. So sadly, the scale and number of problems the reef now faces have become quite widespread the reef really needs protection to defend it from overfishing and a multitude of other threats including actions by the Australian government and I'm not going to get too political and go into those problems today however if you visit you can help if you go out onto the reef to go snorkeling or diving make sure you choose a responsible Marine tourism operator who supports conservation efforts. It is essential to ensure that or well, ecotourism Australia certifies your selected tour company. Unfortunately, there is a lot of controversy surrounding the topic. So my advice is to talk to the locals and to understand which one is the best to take. So in my opinion, Cairns is the best place to stay because it's close to a lot of other areas of interest, and it's also where the airport is located, so it's quite easy to access. Anytime I've ever been to Queensland, I've flown into the airport in Cairns. And also in Cairns you have many other attractions to visit, like little picturesque towns such as Caranda, and you can take the Coranda train or the Skyrail Rainforest Cableway, which is a 7.5 kilometer scenic cableway running above the, the Barren Gorge National Park and it's just north of Cairns. It's made of glass so you'll be able to see the tops of the rainforest canopy. It can get a little bit cold up in Kuranda uh, so make sure you check the weather before you leave. The last time I went um, I was wearing shorts and a t-shirt Uh, It had been 25 degrees in Cairns but when I arrived in Kuranda at the top of the mountains it was only 18 degrees and it rained. So luckily I was able to buy a blanket which is made by a local craftsperson to keep me warm for the rest of the day. In Cairns I've also visited the Cairns Botanic Gardens which is an incredible tropical paradise There's so many native and non-native tropical plants to visit and to walk around and it's very interesting to look at. There are also many different hiking spots close to Cairns such as the Babinda Boulders and the Barren Gorge National Park, just to name a few. There's lots and lots. A popular spot for locals and tourists in Cairns is also the Lagoon and it's a big free-to-access swimming pool on the Cairns Esplanade. It's also really easy to take a boat from the Cairns Marina, which isn't far from the lagoon. So you can get a boat from the marina to go out to many of the dive sites or to the islands in and around Cairns on the Great Barrier Reef. So Cairns is also home to many different indigenous art galleries. So, every year in July, they also host the Cairns Indigenous Art Fair, where they provide opportunities for Queensland Indigenous artists. So, this year, the People's Choice Award was given to a young artist by the name of Daniel O'Shane. And you can see a picture of his artwork that he won with in the show notes for today's episode. I believe that a visit to an Indigenous gallery in Cairns is extremely important, especially to gain a better understanding of Indigenous culture. And if you visit Cairns in July 2020, you could also visit the next festival. The next place I'm going to talk about is Green Island. So, my friend Sean and I spent a particularly memorable day on Green Island snorkelling around the pier. We saw so many amazing fish, green sea turtles, and I'm pretty sure I even saw a not so harmless shark. However, at the time, I didn't know that it was safe, so I may have had a little bit of a heart attack. Also not far from Cairns is a place called Port Douglas, which is about 60 minutes north of Cairns. It is much smaller than Cairns and has a more relaxed vibe. So if you prefer a smaller town and to stay in a resort, I suggest staying here instead of Cairns. You can just as quickly get a boat out to a reef dive site from Port Douglas as well. And it's been quite a while since I visited Port Douglas but the last time I went I did two memorable things. I visited the yacht marina and took photos of all their amazing boats. and. I also visited quite a number of indigenous art galleries. One of my favorite places to swim in North Queensland is Mossman Gorge, which isn't far from Port Douglas. So I've been there a few times now and here you'll find incredible swimming holes amongst huge boulders and the tropical rainforest. And one of the most interesting cultural centers I have ever visited in Australia. So Mossman Gorge has recently been handed back to its Aboriginal owners. So when I first visited the cultural centre, I learned a lot about Indigenous cultural heritage of this region. And sadly, at the time, I couldn't help but feel that I wasn't very well informed about Aboriginal culture. So I felt like I got better education by visiting the cultural centre. Here you'll see more examples of Australian Indigenous artworks, and you'll also have the chance to listen to Dreamtime stories from the Kuku Yalanji people, and hear from Aboriginal elders about the history of the area. I've spoken a little about Indigenous art and culture in this episode, and I believe it requires an entire episode. So I'll talk more about this in a later episode, most likely when I return to Australia for a few weeks at Christmas time. A little further on from Mossman Gorge, you'll find the Daintree Rainforest and absolutely beautiful Cape Tribulation. So, the Daintree Rainforest has the widest variety of plants and animals found in any rainforest on the planet. It is also the oldest tropical rainforest in the entire world. Another reason, Far North Queensland is one of my favourite places in the world and should be on your bucket list. The oldest part in the north of the Daintree River is estimated to be 150 million years old. Here you might be lucky enough to see a cassowary bird, which is the most famous bird in the entire Daintree rainforest ecosystem. It's the bird that everyone wants to see, but it's so hard to see them in the wild. I still haven't seen one. Cassowaries swallow fruit whole, then they pass the seeds unharmed in large piles of dung which spreads the seeds over large areas throughout the rainforest. So these stunning birds are one of only a few species that can disperse large rainforest fruits. This is a fantastic achievement and pretty interesting. If you want to see what a cassowary bird looks like have a look in the show notes for today's episode. They're very amazing birds to look at and they look a little bit like an emu. Speaking of animals, yes, in the Daintree and far North Queensland, here you will find some of the most dangerous animals in the world. Crocodiles, jellyfish, and sharks, all of which can kill you within minutes. However, I advise you always to make sure to ask if it's safe to swim in certain areas. I have survived 34 years living in Australia despite its dangers, so take my advice. Depending on the time of year, it may or may not be safe in certain places within the Daintree rainforest and even on the beaches. I'll read you a little passage from Bill Bryson's book, In a Sunburnt Country. Australia is the home of the largest living thing on earth, the Great Barrier Reef, and of the largest monolith, Ayers Rock or Uluru, to use its now official, more respectful Aboriginal name. It has more things that will kill you than anywhere else. Of the world's 10 most poisonous snakes, all are Australian. Five of its creatures, the funnel-web spider, box jellyfish, blue-ringed octopus, paralysis tick, and stonefish, are the most lethal of their type in the world. This is a country where even the fluffiest of caterpillars can lay you out with a toxic nip, where seashells will not just sting you, but actually sometimes go for you. If you are not stung or pronged to death in some unexpected manner, you may be fatally chomped by sharks or crocodiles, or carried helplessly out to sea by irresistible currents, or left to stagger to an unhappy death in the baking outback. It's a tough place. So the moral to the story is to be well informed. In summer, when you visit the Great Barrier Reef to go snorkeling, your tour guide will most likely make you wear a stinger vest. A stinger vest will prevent you from being stung by a jellyfish. While it is true that certain species of jellyfish can give very painful and even fatal stings, reports of killer jellyfish stings are a rare occurrence. You also need to take precaution or even avoid swimming on specific beach because of fear of crocodiles or sharks. But don't let fear get in the way of a fantastic trip to see the most diverse ecosystem on the planet. It is under threat, of course, and you will see plenty of videos and newspaper reports about coral bleaching, which is having such a significant impact on the reef. Many of the guides have different opinions and different stories to tell about what's happening. So my advice to read before you go, understand why what is happening is so crucial. And above all, go and see it. Go and see it now. So much further south of Cairns and just north of Brisbane is the Sunshine Coast. And here you'll find places like Malulabar and Noosa. So the name Maloulabar comes from the aboriginal word mulu which means snapper fish and in Australia you'll often hear a lot of these names which come from aboriginal words. So I remember I once stopped in Bar at a place called Velo Project and on the wall it says Vallo Project where a group of talented creatives from around the globe bring to life international brands, simple fresh food and artisan espresso and it was true because I ate the best brunch and drank possibly the best coffee I've ever had in my life there. In and around Noosa you'll find spectacular beaches and national parks and the world famous Umundi markets. At the markets you'll find talented artists who make handcrafted furniture, homewares, artworks, ceramics, clothes and jewellery. In Noosa I tried to stand up paddleboard on the Noosa River and I loved it so much. The water was so beautiful and so clear and I was having such a great time at least up until the end when I saw a massive feather of stingrays swimming underneath me. Lucky for me I had an excellent sense of balance and I didn't fall in So a feather of stingrays, if you didn't already know, I just learnt this actually, is a group of stingrays. So you wouldn't say a flock of stingrays, you would say a feather of stingrays. Anyway, one hour drive from Noosa is also close to the world famous Australia Zoo. So if you've never seen a koala or a kangaroo, then I highly recommend a visit here. Also crocodiles, which is what Australia Zoo is most famous for. While I've never been, my family recently visited and now I have some great photos of my nephew with the kangaroos which is, of course, a great reminder of home. So the next stop is Brisbane and this is the capital of Queensland. It's a smaller city than Sydney or Melbourne and I always find the people are a little more relaxed here than in Sydney or Melbourne. They seem to walk slower. People in Brisbane sometimes have a slightly thicker Australian accent, so don't be surprised if you have to ask more than once what someone said to you. The street art scene in Brisbane is not as big as Melbourne, but it has the well-known Brisbane Street Art Festival and many more commissioned public works. I put a link in the transcript notes for where to find urban art in Brisbane. The area of Fortitude Valley is also very well known for excellent art nightlife good coffee and brunch there is also a thriving culture center around the south bank with the national with the gallery of national art which is goma and queensland art gallery south bank is a place i visited quite a lot during trips to brisbane and i enjoy the street beach which is a pool with a beachfront of sand in the middle of the city now the good thing about Brisbane too is it isn't far from the world famous Gold Coast. So the Gold Coast which is very well known for lots of beaches and surfers paradise. Surfers paradise can be heavy, heavily populated during tourist season. So I prefer to stay at places south of surface paradise such as Burley Heads or Gatta, which is right on the border between New South Wales and Queensland and it's also close to where the airport is located. You can also visit the theme parks such as Dream World or Movie World, which is close to the Gold Coast. But I think the best thing to do on the Gold Coast for any art lover is to visit the 10-day Swell Sculpture Festival, which is on Currumbin Beach, and it runs annually in September. So this year, the festival brings 52 works by nationally and internationally renowned artists to a free public exhibition, which happens on the beach. And you can see a photo of a gigantic turtle, uh, which was from last year's exhibition. So now we're going to head to New South Wales, which is the state just south of Queensland, so 45 minutes south of the gold coast airport you'll find byron bay and ballina beach of course also famous for their beaches now i seem to be saying today that a lot of these places are famous for their beautiful beaches and i think it's given me an idea that australia seems to have uh, an image that we have surfers and beaches everywhere and that's true to some extent that in parts of Queensland and New South Wales it's very well known for its surfing places and its surfing villages and and cities and towns around the beach and if you have a look at maps of Australia you'll see that a lot of the east coast of Australia and a lot of the outside of Australia is inhabited by people but there's not a lot on the inside and we'll talk about that a little bit later on in another episode when we talk about the Northern Territory. So anyway, Byron Bay is affectionately known as a place for hippies and surfers and it's the home of the big music festivals such as Splendour in the Grass, uh, Blues Fest and Falls Festival. I've only been here once but I enjoyed some hiking around the Cape Byron Lighthouse. Further south of Brisbane and also Byron Bay you'll find a place called Coffs Harbour. Now actually I've never been here but I wanted to mention it because it's home to one of the most famous tourist attractions in Australia, the Big Banana. And yes if you go and visit Australia you'll come to know we have a lot of sculptures of big things. You'll find many blogs with maps showing you where all these things are some of which are novelty architecture and some are sculptures We have things like the Big Pineapple, the Big Koala, the Big Cow, the Big Mango, Big Crab and Crocodile. Us Australians are strange people who seem to be easily amused, but I find them very interesting. There are estimated to be over 150 such objects around the country. There are big things in every state and territory. So in Coffs Harbour, you have the Big Banana. And I found this Instagram account of Eddie and Sam, who are two dogs, who appear in photographs in front of all the big things in Australia. It's very funny. You should have a look at it. Uh, I've put a picture in today's show notes. Anyway, unfortunately, I've had to skip the Blue Mountains because I've never been there. Like I said, Australia is just too big to see it all. But if you love amazing scenery and hiking, then you should add the Blue Mountains to your itinerary or your bucket list. So let's move on to Sydney. To be honest, I've not spent much time in Sydney, even though my Aussie football team is the Sydney Swans. The Swans originated from a suburb in Melbourne known as South Melbourne, and my dad grew up there, so he was a big South Melbourne supporter. However, When the Australian Football League moved to New South Wales in 1982, the Swans moved to Sydney. Imagine how sad my dad was when they moved a 10-hour drive from Melbourne. Anyway, any visit to an Australian city between the months of March to September must include a visit to a game of our national sport. You might not understand it, but it's interesting to watch and there are always lots more goals compared to soccer. We call it Australian Rules, or Aussie Rules for short. Anyway, I've only been to Sydney twice. However, I used to see it a lot on the TV when I watched football matches with the Sydney Swans. Anyway, I'm going to tell you about two things I enjoyed during my visits. Obviously, there are a lot more things to do, but as I've mentioned, this list is compiled based on my own experiences. And Sydney... Well it's quite spectacular. It is because it has the famous landmarks like the Harbour Bridge and the Sydney Opera House. When I first visited I took a boat from Circular Quay and cruised around the harbour. Festivals and events are based on or around Sydney Harbour all throughout the year and when I first visited in May I was lucky enough to be there for the Vivid Sydney Festival. So each year, Sydney becomes a big canvas for brilliant light installations and projections. So I saw the Sydney Opera House and Sydney Harbour Bridge lit up in absolutely spectacular coloured lights. It was like nothing I've ever seen before. It was really good. the second time I visited Sydney, I must've been watching the TV show, Bondi Rescue. So of course, I also wanted to visit Bondi Beach. Now I love this TV show. You can see parts of it on YouTube to see what I mean. Now, they film at Bondi Beach, so if you visit, you might be lucky enough to see them. There are always huge numbers of tourists, especially in summer, and sometimes the shark alarm sounds to warn people to get out of the water. It's very dramatic, but this only happens in Australia, it seems. The water can be dangerous at Bondi Beach too, so the Lifesavers have quite a big job. At the time i went it was also the annual sculpture by the sea exhibition it is the world's largest free to the public sculpture exhibition and you can see the exhibition by walking along the two kilometer path from the south end of bondi beach to tamarama beach funnily enough the last day i was in sydney i was walking back to bondi beach from tamarama early in the morning And can you guess who I saw swimming in the water the day after a big match? It was the Sydney Swans. And after I saw them, I started walking back to Bondi Beach and was excited to share the news with my family. Then all of a sudden, my favourite player, Kieran Jack, was walking beside me. I really wanted to say hello. However, I was a little bit embarrassed. So instead, I just admired him from afar. I'm going to finish this podcast by talking briefly about Canberra. And I say brief because, well, I've never been there. In Bill Bryson's book, Down Under, he wasn't very kind about our nation's capital. He says, I glanced at my watch, appalled to realise it was only 10 minutes after 10, and ordered another beer, then picked up the notebook and pen, and after a minute's thought, wrote Canberra, awfully boring place. (laughs) And because I've never been there, I cannot tell you if I agree with him or not. I suspect that Canberra would find it hard to compete with the likes of the Great Barrier Reef and Sydney Harbour. And that's why he may have found it a little bit boring. It's not exactly close to Melbourne, and although I once lived only a four-hour drive from it, I still never managed to visit Canberra. Many people outside Australia don't know that Canberra is our capital city, probably because it's not as spectacular grand or well-known as Sydney or Melbourne. I learnt more about it though when I was studying landscape architecture. Interestingly, the garden city movement was the inspiration for the design of Canberra. Now this is a type of city design where many green spaces and parks are incorporated around the houses. So Canberra has many significant areas of natural vegetation So because of this, there is a lot of wildlife to see, including yellow-crested cockatoos everywhere. It is also home to the significant Australian War Memorial, the National Gallery of Australia, and the National Museum of Australia. So I really should get around to visiting it one day. Anyway, that is all from me today. I hope you've enjoyed hearing about some of the places you might enjoy visiting on a trip to Australia. And if you want to ask me anything about Australia too, don't hesitate to send me an email. As you can imagine, I love talking about my country. In the next episode, we'll continue to journey around Australia by visiting Victoria. Then we'll visit its capital and the place I'm from, Melbourne, before flying over to the little island at the bottom of Australia called Tasmania, So I hope you'll join me then. Until next time, I'll catch you later. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the whole episode. If you want to stay up to date with what's happening on the podcast, make sure you come and follow us on Facebook or Instagram or even on Twitter. And I'll put the links for each of our account on the show notes for today's episode.